0: that our online community is growing every week. So from us here at Link Church, we wanna say welcome to what has been an amazing start to 2020 and uh, keep coming back if you are in church for the first time and you're visiting us, welcome to you too. I wanna read a quick message from a good friend of ours. You may know her. Her name is Tash Barnard, but she has just been away uh, in Bali doing Pilates. She's a Pilates instructor if you don't know about her. And uh, she was just really impacted by Vision Sunday And I thought it'd be good to just tell the story and realize how far God is reaching beyond these walls. She said, hey, Dill, just a quick message to say thanks for another impactful message last weekend, Vision Sunday 2.0. And a shout out to the amazing thing God is doing in our church. Here's what I mean by this. This week I had 14 participants in Bali. And on the intro day, everyone was asked to give a name and a place that holds special memories to them. Bietta, I don't know how to say her name, excuse me, is German. She lives in Singapore. Kath is Dutch. She lives in Dubai. Tracy is South African living in Australia. Kat lives in the Netherlands. And all of them mentioned a moment that they had had in their lives, which was dearest to their memory from Africa. Living there or visiting there with tears in their eyes, Africa seemed to be the memory they all remembered. This felt special to me. And it gave me a perfect platform to share the first message you delivered on YouTube of Vision Sunday. I see color. Yes, she said in brackets, yay for Link TV. Shout out to our TV guys. God always shows me. Yeah, come on. God always shows me so much and such light on these teaching trips through the strong network that I'm connected with. And I get so proudly to share the vision with the people God aligns me with. Thank you, Dill, and the team at Link Church. I'm about to land back in Joburg, and there just ain't no place like home with a big South African flag. Can we appreciate the fact that God is talking about our nation? From Bali, people that live in Australia, Netherlands, all over. It's amazing. I really believe God is highlighting the colors of this nation in this season in this moment in time. And if you are visiting us, you've got to know that this is everything to us this year. I see color. And we believe God is going to do something unique this year, not just in our lives, but in this nation. And we're believing for that. By the way, a word for color in the Old Testament, uh, one of the words is the word ayin, Hebrew word ayin. And what it means is the eye, or the eye that sees. It's uh, it's speaking of the future. Actually, some translations speak about the generous eye. And so one of the words given to the idea of color is the eye that sees. What's interesting about this is in Matthew six twenty-two, says the eye is the lamp to the body. If the eye is healthy, then the whole body is healthy. And so let's connect those two ideas: color, or the eye, is the lamp unto the body. When it's active and healthy, everything's healthy. Let me say it like this: when you see the color in His Word, it'll light up the color in your world. That's my prayer for us. So let's pray. And then I believe God is going to start to move in this series. God, I thank you for the life that is in your word. I thank you for the life that you're bringing to our world. I thank you, Jesus, that when we see color, everything else around us lights up. So help us to see it today. Help us to see fresh color in the black and white pages of Scripture. Help us to see fresh perspective of what you're trying to say. Speak to every single one of us, God, I pray for where we're at. And again, we just pray for our friends, Bevan and Tam Russell, as they launch Co-Church in the Rockwood Theater, in Sabaya, and we just speak your life and your courage and your blessing and your favor over them and their story as another church lights up for your gospel on our shores and in this nation. And we're believing this year one more time, Jesus, that this year, this nation is gonna shine its brightest colors into this world in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Tyrone, bless you, thank you. How good is our worship team? Church, aren't you just so proud to be a part of this amazing story you see when when color lights up in this color lights up in here that's the big idea of the series we're talking about prism we're talking about the gospel through a different lens colors of grace if you like is what we're speaking about it's going to be exciting you don't want to miss this series. Perhaps you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John before, but you've never read it through this lens. You've never seen the colors in there. I mean, if I was to ask you, what do the colors red, white, blue, and purple mean to you? You'd probably kind of wonder where I was going with it. If I said, what do they mean to you with regards to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Most of us never heard of it, and yet those colors are synonymous with those four books of the Bible. We kind of uh, playing with this series in the, in the sense that we're saying it's, it's four Gospels, four colors, four faces, one Jesus. And, and what we're saying is when you get the full picture of Jesus, everything inside of you changes. Sometimes we only get a part of the picture. Sometimes we only get the part that makes sense to us. Sometimes we, we like parts of what God is trying to say. We like being part of church. We like the coffee. I mean, who doesn't like a good coffee at Wonderland on a Sunday? Sometimes we like the fact that our kids are getting a great kids' church experience next door. It's incredible what's happening in our children's church. Sometimes we like the fact that there's good music. We just like components of what it means to be the church. But, but Jesus wants us to get all of it. He wants us to get the full picture because when you get the full picture of the color that's in here, the full picture of God lights up in here. That's my prayer for you. I wanna tell you there's more in you than you realize. There's more potential, there's more possibility, there is yet, more yet to come for our nation, for our churches, uh, for your businesses, for your families, like we're convinced of this. It's not just, it's not just a cool idea, Dill's going off on another Sunday tangent. No, I'm convinced that there is so much color still to be experienced in the heart of humanity, we just gotta shine some light on it. And as we shine light through this Word, God is gonna light up your world. Let's talk a little bit about prism in the context of what it means for us as a church, we're talking about Jesus, right? Now, it's interesting, some people, grace is an amazing word. The colors of grace, that word grace is an amazing word. Uh, many would like the idea of grace playing out in their lives, even if you don't know exactly what it means. You like the idea of God's grace being on your life and in your business and on your family. And grace speaks of favor, quite literally, it speaks of undeserved favor. So the word grace speaks of undeserved favor. And so what we sometimes do, and I'm just going to kind of set a few things up today. It's just a setup. Tap your neighbor and say, it's just a setup. Set up. I want to set a few things up, but sometimes what we can do with the idea of grace is we can make it a principle when it was always meant to be a person. In other words, you can apply grace as a principle to your life. You just speak it of your life. Uh, let, me, let me be practical for a moment. We, we like the idea of God being on our business or on our family or on our marriage or on our lives, and so we stick the fish on our bumper. Now, now, if it's on your bumper, bless you, and that's awesome, and you're representing, that's power. But grace is not a principle. The sticker won't produce success. How many of you know that? Grace is a person. Can I say it like this? To walk in favor is to understand what it means to walk in friendship. I don't believe you experience the full favor of God or grace of God, if we keep with that language, if you don't journey in friendship with God. You you can't make Christianity functional. You can't stick a sticker, quote a scripture, apply three principles. It's not a principle-driven story. It's a personal story. It's a relationship. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about a relationship, and it's about a friendship with God. And in the friendship is where the favor is. Now, all of us are in different stages of our friendship with God, and I respect that perhaps some are still figuring out even what it means to have a relationship with God. That's okay. Figure it out slowly. God will help you on this journey. Some of us are further on the journey. All of us are on the journey. And the journey is one toward more friendship, not toward more favor, because in the friendship is where the favor is. We don't go after favor. We go after friendship and favor arrives. Amen. Anybody believe that? And so when it comes to the colors of grace, I I need to frame this for you That grace is not a principle, it's a person. Let's read this in John chapter one, I believe it is. John chapter one, verse 14, says it like this. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, talking about Jesus, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. All of grace is in him. So when you get Him, you get grace. When you journey in friendship, you got favor. It's one of the greatest gifts to my walk with God is to know that it's not functional. I don't have anything to prove to God. It's a journey. It's a friendship. John fifteen fifteen. Jesus Himself said it like this, I no longer call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master's business is all about. I call you friends. For everything the Father has made known to me, this is Jesus talking, I have made known to you. How many of you want a couple of secrets out of heaven's storehouse? Like, if God was going to whisper a secret as to how the world worked, where the opportunities are in business. By the way, God knows where the opportunities are in business. Did you know that? Did you know he's a few steps ahead of us? And so Jesus is saying to us, i got access to everything you need, but I'm the one who holds it. I'm the one that's full of grace. I'm the one that's full of favor. And if you journey with me, you walk in favor. Friendship is where favor lies. And so that's really a bit of a framework for the series. But let's talk about what I'm trying to get in a lot of the series, the colors of grace. There's a graphic I'm going to put up now. You're going to see a bit of an explanation as to what this all means. The series is Prism, and we're looking at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John through a lens you may never have seen it before. So check this out. Prison, those four books, are the stories of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four four books in the Bible, all of them telling the story of one person, Jesus, from a different angle, all right? But now what you may not know about these stories, and it gets so exciting, because remember, it's a person, not a principle. You get to know the person, and you get access to the power, all right? Favor is in the friendship. We're We're going on a journey this next couple of weeks to understand more of Jesus, all right? Matthew is a book that's marked by the color purple, and the face of a lion. Now I'm gonna talk about where these things show up in other parts of the Bible just now so you can see what God's trying to say to us. But in essence, we would say that these four things are taking place in the Gospels, Matthew purple, Mark white, Luke red, and John blue. Let's talk about that for just a second. Matthew purple, because the book of Matthew starts with a genealogy. The genealogy starts with Abraham, and the next line is, David was of Abraham. It's identifying a kingship line. A royal line. The book of Matthew begins with one intention to make Jesus known as king. King's rule and reign. I'm not going to give you all the juice. You're going to have to keep coming. We're going to have some fun on what it means if Jesus is king. What does that mean for us? If he rules and reigns, how does that play out in us? You see, because if Jesus is a king, therefore then we carry some of that quality. We're going to talk about how getting to know him changes everything. Can we just, there we go. So the second one is, so Jesus is a king. It starts in Abraham. It's the book of it's purple, right? The second one is Jesus. It's portrayed as an ox. The book of Mark. Mark is where Jesus gets portrayed to us as a servant. Jesus the servant, the color white, the sash of a servant. The book of Mark begins with immediately. Jesus did this, did this. No genealogy. No need for pedigree. Why? Servants don't need pedigree. They just let us serve. There is a component of Jesus' character that isn't asking for pedigree. He already has that in Matthew. He's addressing the heart of humanity, which is the need for him to serve them. Jesus came to serve us. Jesus came to serve you and I. He dresses up as a servant. To serve. Mark begins with Jesus performing miracles, and the last kind of lines of the book of Mark speaks about, and Jesus was still working. It starts with him working. It finishes with him working. It's the story of Jesus the servant. Colors of grace. prison. Jesus like you've never seen him. It's impact your life like you've never dreamed it. The third one is Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke is the second book that has the genealogy. This one is a bit different to Matthew. Matthew starts with Abraham and David, kings, all right? Luke begins at Adam. Why? Because Luke is portraying Jesus as a man. And this is important. Because if if Jesus never lands in human form, we can't identify. He can't identify with what we go through on a Monday or this morning, getting kids ready for church. Jesus was a man. He was human. Sometimes I think uh, the, the Christian story and the Christian world portrays this thing like it's out there, but Jesus came down here. He's in our lives. walking. So Luke put, from Adam, And he needs to show us that Jesus didn't just come somewhere along the line. He's of the bloodline, of the human bloodline, Adam. He's part of the story, Jesus, the man. If Jesus is a man, that has great implications for us because it took a man to give up his life so that other men could have their lives back. That's you and I. The fourth one is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Jesus as an eagle. John speaks as the heavens are above. John's intention in portraying Jesus was to show that He is the Son of God. He's not... He, he's, he, yes, He's a servant, and yes, he, he is human, but He's also the Son of God. You see, there's this multifaceted nature of Jesus that sometimes we just like pieces of, but when you get the fullness of it, things start to unfold in us that are totally different to, I just went to church. It means we live with a different spirit. We live with the fullness of Him as King, of Him as ox, as servants, as Him as man, and Him as Son of God. We live with a broad perspective of who He is in us all the time. How many of you know it's going to be a good series? <laughs> Prison, the colors of grace. Now it's interesting, when you look at the colors, God makes no mistake in what he puts in the Bible. Red and blue, red, divine, king or divine, son of God. Blue, sorry, red, human. In fact, the word Adam is the word Adama. It literally means red, Red red-faced man or red-blooded man. And so when blue from above meets red from below, you get what? I just, I want you to see the Bible in color. I want you to know that when we're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew is a story of royalty. And the royalty only comes about when Jesus, Son of God, gets involved in us, sons of the earth, and together it collides in a story that is actually royal, and we become different to what we were when it started out. Jesus came down, we got raised up, and the, and the overpouring or the result is royalty. We're called to higher ground. Tap your name and say, you're called to higher ground. White is the picture of purity and service in the midst of it all. So what I want to do, because I can see you guys are getting like, whoa, like where is this all going? We're going to be together for a while in this. It's, going to, it's not going to happen overnight. We need a journey. Remember, friendship is a journey. But I want to give you two kind of setups as to what I believe God wants to do in this series through two Old Testament pictures And it's amazing. The Old Testament for most of us was a thing that happened back then. We like these stories, topical Christianity, walking into a business room. Like, let's quickly Google wisdom, you know, proverb, business meeting. None of us go and read about the tabernacle. It's got no relevance to us, but maybe it does. None of us read about what the priests had to wear. They were old school, weird, and no one even knows what they're about. But maybe it does. This series is about seeing how the things of old played out in the person of Jesus and have great implication for you and I. Is different to how you thought it was. So two pictures that'll set us up for this series, The Colors of Grace. The first is of the the temple, the old school temple. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm with him, I'm with him. The old school temple, all right? The temple was a place, or the tabernacle, was a place where God would meet with his people. Perhaps what you don't know is that there were different levels of engagement, So how we work in the temple is the first level of engagement would be, by the way, each of those lines was marked by a gate or a cloth or a curtain, all right? The purple lines you see are are curtains. Those curtains were what colors? Red, blue, purple, woven in, white. In fact, let me just kind of prove it to you quickly so that you can stay with me on this thing. Exodus chapter 38, it says this, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard was of blue Purple, this is the command of how the curtain would be made. Why is it important? Who cares about the colors? Because what it, what it shows us about something that's going to take place in Jesus is awesome. The colors should be blue, purple, scarlet, or red, and woven with finely twisted linen, some translations say, and fine white linen. So the different levels or different layers or different accesses are marked by a curtain with red, blue, purple, And white the colors of grace. And the first layer is simply giving access to what they call the outer courts. People could come and sit. anyone could come and say. If, if, if you were part of that custom in time, you could be a part of the outer court. It was, I call it the association. You're not, really like, you're not really like locked in and excited about what God is doing, but by association, we're there. We're part of the story at a bit of a distance. And even today, there are people that like to watch the story of God unfold at a distance. I'm gonna challenge you and charge you to step into what God has for you in this series. It's association, it's the first, it's the outer court, and then there was the inner court, and only the priests could go into the inner court. I call that awareness, because in the inner court, in the first part of what only the priests could go into, there is this awareness of what God is doing for His people. I won't give you all the details, but in there were a few elements that pointed toward a God that's working for His people, the protection of God, the favor of God, the provision of God, was all in that inner court. Priests could see it, I call that Awareness. Now we're not just associating with what God is trying to do. We're aware that He's working in our lives. I can see Him working in my marriage. I, I, I'm interested in starting a prayer life and seeing Him working in my family. And there's, an, there's greater awareness. But the third layer, the, third, the most intimate of access, was what they called the Holy of Holies. Now remember, the temple is a picture of how God wants to engage humanity. And humanity chooses where its engagement levels are at. The Holy of Holies was reserved for the highest priests. It went in once a year, no one else was allowed. It was the Holy of Holies. And the word that came out from the Holy of Holies could literally shape the nation for the next year. It was profound what would take place in that place. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, all right, so we've got red, blue, purple, and whites. We've got different layers. They're on all the layers. By the way, on the third one in the Holy of Holies, there are four faces on the red, blue, Purple and white curtain, One of the four faces? Lion, ox, eagle, man. Long before Jesus is on the scene, God is pointing toward a person that would fulfill the desires of ruling and reigning, serving humanity, being human in likeness, but the Son of God as well. There's something God was showing them as you walk in, and here's what we do. Let's talk a little bit just for a moment about access and ownership, all right? When it came to the tabernacle, nowadays we're we're called priests and our hearts is called the temple, Therefore, we no longer need to walk through different layers. We just access them with who we are. But access and ownership is an interesting thing. I was riding with a um, a good friend on my mountain bike a few weeks back, and someone said to me, "This guy does family holidays like no one else." And so, when I was riding, I was, we're talking about where did you go, where were your funnest family holidays? What did you do? What did it look like? What's everyone like up to? And then like we get down this hill and the mates of mine that's like said, no, this guy goes on the coolest holidays. He says to me, he, he's totally playing down his holidays. He's trying to help you feel better about yours, you know? So I, so I ask him, no ways. I'm, I'm, I want to get, I want to know what he's up to. So anyway, I say to him, I say, listen, I hear your holidays are far better than what you've explained them to me. You're going to have to give me a second run. So he says, okay, well, I will. Oh my word, guys, church. Friends, family, like you want to be his children. (laughs) Like they have gone on the most amazing holidays. Like they've they've been literally to corners of the earth. Like he described places on earth, like I'm just embarrassed to say it. I didn't even know existed. And he was there with his family. Not business, family holidays. They 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 paddled through some of the canals in the Amazon. They've they they've they've Pedal around islands. They've ridden bicycles everywhere you can think of. They've, they've scarred off. They've hot air. Like it was just, I was just like, what? This is unbelievable. So I said to him, of course, like any aspiring family holiday would, what's the secret? You know what he said to me? Access, not ownership. So of course now I'm like, no, bro. You were slow to tell me about your family holidays. Now you're giving me a little one-liner access, not ownership, and thinking that's gonna work. Come at me again. Tell me, he said, here's the thing. Most people desire ownership, and what it does is it limits access. Let me give you that in a practical form. You dreamt of owning a holiday house. Now, it's not a bad deal. It's a good deal. I grew up in a home. We had amazing holiday homes that we went to. But by owning something sometimes limits your access to something else. Why? Because if you don't go to the place you own, you're wasting a wait In your mind, at least, it, we shouldn't have bought that house. We should never have bought that house. This never gets used. No one ever goes there. Okay, let's go there this whole now I'm, I'm It's good. It's fine. Have fun. Be blessed. All right? But by having ownership of one thing can sometimes limit access to another. He said to me, he said, "Don't." We've had incredible business opportunities, but we've never invested in one space. We've kept our options open. So while we've made good investments, we haven't been after owning anything. We've been after accessing many things. This is a word for someone in the church because your whole life is geared around owning this or owning that or having this or having that or that's ours or this is the dream home. Can I speak to some people today? And your whole life is geared towards sweating to that place where you can build your dream home and when you've got it, you don't wanna leave it because it's so precious that you don't have the freedom to access somebody else's dream home for just a little while. I feel like I'm preaching. That's really good, really good. Sure that Thank you, I'm coming at you again. Access, not ownership. Business is my business. Well, if you actually did a deal with a few people, collaborated and had shares, you would have more access to other things as well as that thing. But we're precious about ownership. Tap your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. You and I are not that different. All right, let's talk on a personal level now. I like to own my story. I don't want you to get a part of it. This is mine. Don't come here. Don't ask me questions about my life. Hey, hey, hey don't challenge me about my faith walk. is mine. Ownership, and ownership limits access. You see, the people of God, the amazing thing about the temple is that if they would let themselves walk through the curtains, the red, white, blue, and purples, which are picture of Jesus, if they would let themselves walk through, they would have access to what they don't deserve, but ownership of nothing. I've been thinking about this in my life because I've had a very blessed life. I've got incredible parents. They've built an amazing path for us as children. They've been parts of that journey that have blessed me, and I've been thinking about, now that, it's, now that certain things are mine, whether it's houses or cars or holiday homes, do I treat them as my own, or do I realize it's just by inheritance that I have access? Therefore, if I got access by inheritance, it'd be my privilege to give that to others. What if what I had wasn't what I owned, it's just what God gave me access to while I was on earth? What if what you have is not necessarily what you own? Awesome that you worked hard. I'm not I'm not taking away the journey and the pursuit of hard earned benefits. Honestly, it's fantastic. But what if all those things arrived at this moment where you realize in God's eyes, this is an inheritance that he's entrusted to me. Therefore, I don't own it. I just have access to it for a season of time. For some of us, it's 20, 30, 40, 80. Some of us, God willing, I want to live to 121, celebrate 221st. How cool would that be? But that's the time I have access to it. My wife's shaking her head. She's like, I don't want to know you at 121. Like, you're hard enough at 30, you know? Access, not ownership. What God is trying to show us in the temple picture is that because of four colors of grace, you have access to things you don't deserve, but you can't own them. I wrote this down, maybe you should too. To have access to Him is to have access to all. To have access to Him is to have access to all. I'll tell you a little personal story around this access and ownership thing. Because it challenges me, right? We like to own our story. We like to have our name on the board and our title on the deed. And again, I'm not saying those are unwise things to do. Fantastic, you probably could teach me a lot around business, but I'm just teaching you about the kingdom. And the kingdom's about access, not ownership. And this guy that day taught me something that has transformed my life. I remember sitting once, I was traveling with a good friend he helped me get to Singapore with him. I was actually not in a good headspace and he thought he'd take me on a trip and help me out. And so he took me to Singapore. He was ministering at a church across there and he thought this will be good exposure for me as a young man. I was in my kind of mid-twenties and he thought, shame, it will be nice for Dill to see a bigger picture. So he took me on a journey, all right, access. And here I was sitting in Singapore, and he took me to this restaurant once on an island called Sentosa Island. You may have heard it, you may have been there before. It's a very nice place. And we sat in a restaurant of a hotel that is really for like the the others. Tap your neighbors say, the others. Not me. You know when you open a menu and it's him and myself and two other guys, and you open the menu, and it's just simple questions everywhere. Simple questions. SQ. Have you checked that? Simple questions everywhere. What's the price? Just simple, and, and and so I was thinking, I don't know if I want to order anything. Like maybe maybe they got like a free mint when you come in. I'm, I'll eat that for lunch. He's like, are you hungry? I'm starving. He's like, well, you order some. I'm like, I can't. I, I just I'm not I'm not sure. I'm hungry. I don't know if I like the food. That because I live in a world where. I'm not sure what this means right now. Do like, can I afford it? Can't I afford it? Like, is this right? Isn't this right? I'm just like, like honestly, I'm just figuring a lot of stuff out. Some of you are thinking this guy's crazy. I'm going to find another church. Fantastic. Stick with me for the next eight weeks, and you're going to be saying something different. But I sat there, and he said to me, "Order something nice." He said, "Sure." I said, "Yeah, okay." I love the river. <laughs> with mushroom sauce. And <laughs> no, I'm joking. And uh, we sat there and he could see that I was, because I wasn't assuming he would pay, obviously. And he could see that. And he could see that I was kind of feeling like, I'm not sure I can afford this meal. So he told me to order the meal and the meals came and our friend sat down and he looked me in the eyes, he said, Dill, I brought you here to teach you something very simple and may never leave you. We may never be rich people, but God will give us access to do what rich people do. You know what's amazing about that statement? None of us would call ourselves rich. Rich is a moving target. I'm not rich, they're rich. Have you seen what they got? No, you're rich. You drive a car. No, but have you seen where they live? Do you know the business that they're building? Do you understand the kind of numbers that they're turning? They're rich. You go and speak to that person that's turning the numbers that you just referred to, you're so rich. like fantastic to see how God has made you so rich. And they're like, I'm not rich. Have you seen... See, riches are moving targets. So what he was teaching me that day was not monetary. It was a mindset. We may not have what we think we need to enjoy the life God has promised. We may not need to own anything to have access to, I'm gonna say it so proudly, everything. Do you know, since that day, come on, give Jesus some praise. Since that day, since that day I left, I said, God, teach me, give me a mindset of abundance. Give me a mindset of abundance. Help me to realize God, it's not what I hold in my hands, it's what I carry in my heart. I got inheritance here. I got a future that I don't deserve. I got grace. I got the colors of grace. I got all these layers that invite me to access something I don't deserve without owning any of it. It's been amazing. You know, Tess and I had incredible privilege to be in spaces and places around the world that we could never have dreamed of in our own strength. Only God's grace we've eaten in spaces, we've met people, we've, we've had access, not ownership. Every now and again, I meet someone that was like a dream, you know, you're like, oh, I'd love to get 10 minutes with them, and, and out of God's grace, I end up having 10 minutes with them. I might be traveling or whatever's happening, and I meet them in a moment, and I can't believe this moment's happening, and we don't share numbers because I don't own anything, I just got access to it. I wondered if we just lived our lives with a More of an access mindset, you see, when we jump into the colors of grace, when you start to see the lion, the ox, the eagle, and the man, that is Jesus, the colors that make him who he is, the faces that play out in who he is, when you start to let that become who you are, ownership no longer matters, access does. Make wise financial decisions, but trust God to give you access to things you don't deserve and go home and write a list of the things you've had access to that you could never have owned. You'll be amazed what God has already put in your life to be enjoyed without you having to own any of it. By the way, this comes down to our hearts as well. We can hold really tightly to our own picture of God. That's called ownership. But what if in this next few weeks you gave God access to it? What if, this is how church should be. This is how my finances should run. This is what generosity looks like. This is how serving looks. I know the church is passionate about serving and people giving generously, but I got my own, I got my own, what's the word? Own, I got my own thing going on. I just pray God to help you take your hands off your own thing, because when you do, you're gonna get access to many things. Worship team, you can come and join me. It's just a warm up just warming up for the series. We don't have time to do it all today. I'm sorry. I'd love to. Third thing I want to speak about, or second thing, is blessings and burdens. The first picture I gave you is of a temple. It's where we see the colors of grace, and it speaks about the access God gives us. The second time we see the colors of grace is in a priest's garment. Old school priests used to wear garments. Some new school ones still do. And the priest's garment of old school would have which colors on it? You with me, Church? You shop. I know. I love it. Red, blue, purple, and white. Let's read it together. In Exodus chapter twenty-eight, it's called an ephod, and it says, "Make the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, or red yarn, and finely twisted linen. The work of a skilled craftsman." It is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so that it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like that of it, of one piece with the effort made with gold, blue, purple. Gold, by the way, is the twist of heaven in every story. Blue, purple, red, and finely twisted linen. Take two oinks stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Israel had 12 tribes, 12 sons, and he said six on the one side in order of their birth and six on the other side. So here's the picture. See, I want to get this thing to light up in your heart because when this lights up, this lights up. Here's the picture. The temple was a picture of access. The priests were a picture of blessing. Priests had a responsibility to take on the burden of the people so that the blessing could come back at them. And when the priests were commanded to wear an ephod, the way it was described was with blue, red, purple, and white, which are the pictures, colors of grace. And he said, at the top of it, right here on the shoulders, what carries the load in our lives if someone says, you look heavy, looks like you're carrying load, they're not talking about your knees. They're saying there's a, there's a dip up here. This is where you pick someone up. This is where you hold load. This is where you carry. And it says, for the priests, in between this red, blue, purple, stick with me, we're going somewhere thing, there are two stones, one this side and one that side. And on each stone, I want you to write six names, six of the first sons of Israel and six of the second. So, carried by the colors of grace is the burden of God's people. He shouldered the burden so that we could share the blessing. I want to believe that as we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the next few weeks, we will see those two Old Testament pictures play out in fresh living color in Jesus. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 4. We're speaking about a temple and a priest. Two pictures, colors of grace, one of access, one of blessing. When you see the color, when you journey with God, there is access to things we can't afford and blessing without burden. How many of you are excited for a little blessing without a burden? See, we live in a culture to get the blessing, you must carry the burden. No. Under God's, test, under God's story, He carried the burden so we could walk in the blessing. That's called the colors of grace. And some of you are carrying burdens too big for your shoulders, and they were never meant to be on you. Some of you are carrying a burden for decisions you've made in your past. I'm telling you, as we dive into the four faces of Jesus these next few weeks, He's going to lift the burden of your past and walk, let you walk into the blessing of your future. He's going to do the heavy lifting. Some of you are carrying burdens for relationships you're currently in and you can't sleep at night. You can't, you can't get through it and you're thinking, God, thank you, that's awesome. Would you take it away? He will, but he'll do it by showing you that he's king, ruler, but he's also servant. There's a role you'll play in serving others that will release the burden that's on you. God is gonna teach us so much. 1 Peter 2 verse 4 and 5. But you are a chosen people, that's you and our friends, a royal priesthood, I'm reading verse 9. You, like living stones, are built, being built together into a spiritual house. Spiritual house, another word for? Temple. The temple's no longer out there. It's in here. You're being built together into a temple. What is the temple house? Access. The access is on the inside for the favor that we'll walk into around us to be a holy priesthood or the priests bring? blessing offering spiritual sacrifices to God Peter's talking to the church if I had to summarize it I'd say it like this Peter's telling us that access and blessing are on us and in us the blessing of God because of Jesus is on you and in you the decisions that need to be made to catalyze your business to the next level is not on me It's not on this church. It's on you and in you. You have everything you need to lead your family. Did you know that? The colors on the inside. He has the temple and God is our high priest that carries the burden, so we live under blessing. So everything you need to strategize the future for your business, everything you need to lead your family forward in freedom, everything you need to navigate the journey of marriage, everything is not with me and it's not with us, it's with you. It's on you and it's in you because the same access that was granted to the highest and the old and to the priest that carried the ephod is granted to us in Jesus because of the colors of grace. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different accounts of one person named Jesus who gives us blessing and access. Tap your name and say, it's on you. Tap your second choice on the other side. Tell them it's in you. When the world starts to see that the color's on the inside, you will start to arrive at business with joy in your heart. You will start to arrive, whether you own the business or whether you work on the third level of the business, the favor is on you and the favor is in you. Not because of you, because of Him, because of grace, because of the God that came down and brought us into a place of royalty so that we could serve humanity. Oh, I'm excited for this series. What I got out of the preach today um, from Pastor Dill, uh, the part that was so impactful for me was that when he was telling us that um, it's so important to have access and not ownership. Um, because the minute you have ex- ownership, you don't let God's grace flow in your life. But when you have access, to, when you allow to yourself to have access and ownership, you have access to everything and there are no limits. And that is what God is all about. He's a God of no limits. So that's a wrap for week one of the PRISM series. Excited to explore the Colours of Grace over the next eight weeks as a church. You don't want out. We'll see you online.